When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to episode 21 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm here as always with Adam Kurzenblatt, and we are now through round one of the 2023 WHL playoffs after seeing Saskatoon take down Regina by a score of 4-1 on home ice in game seven on Monday night. That win for the Blades ends Connor Bedard's WHL season and most likely his junior career. So we'll have lots more on that as we make our way through the show today. We'll run through all the round one results, check in on Adam's predictions, preview round two, touch on our WHL game of the week in the three stars, then look at the Seattle Kraken as our NHL team of the week and wrap it up with a full Connor Bedard report. Uh, Just a quick note before we get going about the WHL award nominees, the league has been rolling out the announcements in the same way that the NHL does sort of day by day, but they're not quite complete as we're recording on Tuesday. So since we have a big show today already, we're going to go through the nominations um, all together in next week's show so we can sort of see who the top nominees are uh, team wise. Uh, Now, with lots to cover, here's Adam with this week's headlines, starting with the round one recap where the favorites prevailed and only two series went beyond five games. Yes, so um, very exciting uh, first round in the WHL as expected. So if we look at the predictions that I made previously, uh, six out of eight isn't bad. Uh, Some of the games were a little bit off, but overall six of eight, uh, I'll take that. So we'll start with the top seeds, Winnipeg and Seattle both swept. Uh, that was predict. Uh, that was what we predicted um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, in the second seed, uh, Red Deer and Kamloops, uh, we both uh, it took them both in five. So Red Deer won in five, but the Blazers did uh, one better and swept the Giants. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that game four um, in just a little bit when we touch on our game of the week. Uh, it was a very intense and um, interesting series to watch because. Kamloops was so dominant, but like I said, we'll touch on that a little bit later. As for the third seeds, well, as you mentioned, Saskatoon just beat Regina in game seven. Uh, So that was an exciting uh, matchup to watch. We had them in six, as well as Portland over Everett in six, but that one only took five games. So uh, that was the uh, third round versus six. Those both were really exciting series. And as for the uh, fourth round, this is where I predicted both uh, fifth seeds would sweep and are not sweep, sorry, um, upset the four seeds. Those were my two mistakes. So Moose Jaw swept Lethbridge, um, and that was mainly because they got their suspended players back. Um, that was unknown when we made the picks. So that is kind of why I leaned a little bit to Lethbridge and that Portland or Prince George Tri City game was absolutely fantastic. Six games, Prince George winning in OT. uh, First time in over a decade that they've won a series with, of course, Chase Weecroft, who we've talked about uh, countless times on this podcast over the last couple weeks, playing the hero in OT. Thomas Sukanik, fantastic for Tri-City, the draft eligible goaltender. So that's kind of where we stand as of the first round. 
now looking ahead, I again, kudos to you. I think six out of eight is fantastic. And uh, especially with the Moose Jaw Lethbridge series, um, you know, the big unknown of those suspended players, uh, absolutely no uh, uh, no shame in, uh, in not landing that one correctly, given a huge variable that came into play after your picks were made. So I think you did an excellent job. So uh, we'll see how things, uh, how things shake down here in round two. The, uh, the matchups are set. All four series start on Friday. The WHL does reseed after each round, so we didn't know the matchups until uh, the Regina-Saskatoon series completed on Monday. But as it turns out, because it was one through four that uh, went through in each conference, the matchups are all very straightforward. It's all one versus four and two versus three on both sides. So we'll start in the Western Conference uh, with the top-seeded Seattle Thunderbirds will be taking on the high-flying and very excited Prince George Cougars. Yeah, so this should be an exciting series of two of the best offenses in the Western Conference. So when we look at the season series, Seattle won that 3-1, to one, but it's important to note that all four games happened before the new year. So this means that the Cougars have not seen the Thunderbirds full roster as Dylan Gunther, Colin Dock, and Brad Lambert trades had not happened yet. Um, based on how each team played in the first round, it looks like Seattle will be uh, the winner of this and five games. Even though the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, didn't play great, they did average 3.5 goals per game. But it is important to know that Prince George's offense was on fire, recording a 4.16 goals per game average against a stronger Tri-City team compared to Kelowna, which Seattle played. Um, it, Seattle should win, but this is a series that I could definitely see Prince George putting up a fight and a lot of goals being scored. It, it's going to be a series where if Ty Young and Tyler Brennan can hold off Scott Ratzlaff and Thomas Millich, that's really the only way I can see uh, Prince George uh, winning the series. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the goaltending because um, Brennan, I believe, was injured partway through the the Prince George series, right? And and Ty Young stepped in to finish out that series. So um, Brennan's availability will certainly be something to watch in the second round. Um, obviously, Ty Young got her done and got them past uh, got them past Tri City, but uh, Brennan has been more the start of this season, so that'll be something to watch. And then one other quick note on uh, Seattle as well. Uh, if you do subscribe to the Hockey News magazine and uh, got a copy of the playoff preview in the mail last week like I did, uh, if you flip back to the WHL section, you'll find my uh, my interview with Nolan Allen talking about uh, his trade from earlier in the season, the opportunity to go back and play in Prince Albert for the other side shortly after World Juniors, and then his experiences at World Juniors winning the gold medal and uh, doing that with a bunch of his teammates from Seattle and what the adjustment has been like moving from the prairies to a big city, big city like Seattle and a very different sort of market in the U.S. So uh, if you have a chance, check that out. Uh, our second series from the West is the Memorial Cup champ or uh, hosts. Sorry, <laughs> getting a little ahead of myself there. Memorial Cup host Kamloops Blazers, the two seed, will be hosting the Portland Winterhawks. Yeah, so this should be an interesting series. Portland did win the season series 3-1, but Kamloops uh, claimed victory in their final meeting, which came er in early February, once the teams were as they will be in this series. So um, it's really a matchup of the high-flying offense that Kamloops has versus a solid defensive team in Portland. In the end, though, I just feel like the Blazers 
are going to be playing in that WHO Western final. So I'm going to take the Blazers in five games, uh, just watching from firsthand what Portland is able to do versus Kamloops. I think that it's safe money to put some money. Uh, it's safe money to put the um, favorite as uh, the Blazers in five. All right. So you're taking both favorites on uh, on that side in five games in both uh, in both of those series as well. Now we'll shift our focus to the east and we've got the uh, top seeded Winnipeg Ice. We'll have home ice advantage against the number four Moose Jaw Warriors. Yeah. So this is a really intriguing series to watch because this uh, season series was uh, tied. So each team picked up three wins and the only difference was that one of Moose Jaw's losses uh, were in a shootout. So very, these two teams play each other very tightly, despite a 30-point difference in the standings. Um, this is going to be a real series where we're going to have to see if Winnipeg's depth that they spent a lot of draft capital to acquire uh, via trades actually steps up and how guys like Brennan Yeager and uh, Jaeger-Furkis really can, um, if they can take over that series and beat Daniel Hauser, which was a real difficulty for the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers in the first round. So in the end, I think this is going to be a tight series, but I will take Winnipeg uh, walking away with in six games. Um, but if a small sample size to really get a sense of what both these teams are about since they uh, did both sweep their first round series, we only got to see them in four games each and they had a relatively easy time. So, uh, yeah, despite the one versus four matchup, you're taking uh, taking Moose Jaw to put up a good fight here and go to six games. All right. Noted. Finally, uh, we've got the two versus three in the east, and that has the Red Deer Rebels with home ice advantage against a probably very tired Saskatoon Blades group. Yeah, so when we look at the season series between the Blades and the Rebels, Saskatoon did win that series 3-1. And an important note is that they scored four or more goals in each of their victories. Um, despite Saskatoon being the better team during the regular season, it will uh, it will be the uh, Red Deer Rebels who claim victory in six games. Um, the reason behind this is that like Regina really exposed some of the problems that Saskatoon had. I feel like some of the defensive miscues that they had. And also the Rebels are a bigger team and a stronger team. So I feel like they can get in the forecheck with guys like Kaylin Lind, create those turnovers and make the Blades pay on the score sheet. I wasn't 100% convinced about the Saskatoon Blades play. Now, it's also important to note that the Red Deer Rebels don't have a player like Connor Bedard who can just take over a series and force seven games. But I feel like they're a little bit of a stronger team. I have a little bit more faith in their defensive structure and goaltending to the point where I, uh, I think uh, Red Deer Rebels in six is a solid bet. All right. So to sum up, we've got four bets on the favorites, which seems like a logical way to go after all the favorites went through in round one. Uh, series going five games on the west side and six games on the east side. That is so easy to remember. I will be able to keep track all the way through game by game as we are watching. Thank you, Adam, once again for putting your neck on the line and making those predictions. Uh, up next, we'll turn to our WHL game of the week, and that's a game that you were in the house for at the Langley Events Center, uh, the fourth and deciding game between the Kamloops Blazers and the Vancouver Giants. Yes, yeah, so in what was a back-and-forth game, the Kamloops
Vegas Blazers defeated the Vegas Giants 5-4 with 1.5 seconds left in overtime to advance to the second round. Um, it was actually the second goal that the Kamloops Blazers scored with about 1.5 seconds left as the other one came in the first period. So a little bit lucky, you know, scoring those last second goals to put your team ahead and then put your team into the second round. So of note, it was the 20-year-olds for the Vancouver Giants that really stepped up. So we'll start with Jesper Beichmann, a recently signed Vegas Golden Knights uh, goaltending prospect. He made 62 saves on 67 shots and also recorded an assist in the game. Um, so not a bad way to make your final WHL start. Um, and also Captain Ty Thorpe scored a hat-trick and added an assist, factoring in on each of Vancouver's four goals. So the two 20-year-olds who have really been key parts of this team, not just this season, but last season, stepping up in their final WHL game. On the Kamloops side, it was no surprise that Olin Zellweger was the hero in overtime as he finished the night with two goals and one assist. Uh, he is absolutely spectacular to watch. Um, I actually think that he should be the BC division nominee for MVP, but we'll we'll see what uh, what the GMs and everybody have voted on. And in goal, Dylan Ernst was also solid, stopping 31 of 35 shots he faced. In the end, it was Kamloops who showed off their depth and ability to create chances all night as they pulled off the sweep in the first round. And given that you watched the Giants a lot and still were sort of expecting that there was a good chance that they uh, that they might get swept or go down in five, um, not really a surprising result with all the challenges that they have had. Um, I guess the uh, the hype train is still on for uh, um, oh, the rookie whose name escapes me right now. I should have made a note. Samuel Hanzik. Thank you. Um, how, how did he do in the series overall? So Hanzik's series was very interesting to watch because it felt like he was a little bit passive at the beginning and he started getting better as the series went on. So that might be um, just a little bit of nerves playing in your first WHL playoffs. But I do know that there were a ton of scouts who were really interested in watching him play. Obviously, he has a fantastic shot. Um, that is kind of the one of the defining factors of what makes him so great. Good. He's he is massive, like just built really, built really well. And I just remember the first time I talked to him in training camp, I was shocked at how big he was. Like I read that he was over six foot in um, when the Giants drafted him in the import draft, but then not, like actually seeing him, especially without skates on, I was like, whoa, that's pretty. This is a big kid who uh, isn't afraid to throw hits. Um, and then his speed for a guy his size, he skates extremely well. So I think that if you look at his point total, you might be disappointed, but his overall play was getting better as the series went on. And he played an uh, important factor in that game for um, overtime loss. He was really good in that uh, overtime loss in the end. Um, yeah, and as a um, as a Slovak player, we'll talk a little bit more in a bit about World Championships. But uh, have you heard anything about whether he might get a slot on the uh, on the Slovak team? Um, I have not heard anything as of yet on whether he will be available to play and selected for a Slovak Slovak team. Remember, he did suffer a couple injuries this year, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of sat back and just rested up for the combine and the draft. But 
he would he definitely has the skill to play on that Slovak team. And I also think that it depends on which NHL players say yes. Um, so that will be something to watch in the next coming weeks as these teams start to get announced. I believe um, probably in the next two weeks, depend uh, yeah. based off the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, re- the the injuries were the reason why I was wondering because his um, his body of work is a little bit smaller than you would expect. It's not a full season because of the the injuries that he suffered. So um, I just know that for a draft eligible player to uh, to go to Worlds, it's another opportunity to get in front of a lot of scouts and especially playing against men, show whether or not you know he has the tools to make that happen. But uh, as as mentioned, we will get back to that a little bit later on with another player whose name has been. Con- connected as a possible world championship candidate. Let's uh, move on from our tangent here, get back on on track with the three stars of the week. Uh, So we're starting off with Saskatoon and Igor Sidorov. Yeah, so Igor Sidorov, without his strong play, the Saskatoon Blades would probably not be headed to the second round. Um, Draft eligible prospect recorded five goals and nine points in his five games this week and had a point in every single one of Saskatoon's five games since we last recorded. His best performance, though, came in Game 4, with Saskatoon down 2-1 in the series and needing a win. He scored a third-period goal that really got Saskatoon back into the game, and then the overtime winner to help the Blades even the series. He finished the series with 10 points in seven games and is tied for the WHO lead in points among players who are still playing in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit, too. Second star, we turn to Red Deer and Jaden Grube. Yes, Jaden Grube. The New York Rangers 2021 third round pick was an assist machine recording eight assists in two games to help Red Deer sweep Calgary. Listed at 6'3", 203 pound uh, center, he was dominant in the faceoff dot, winning 63% of his faceoff. He's been Red Deer's captain for the last three years, and he's leading by example as this could be his final WHL season since he is a 2003 born player. Actually, right before recording this, Frank Cervelli of Daily Faceoff reported that the Rangers would not be signing him. So this will be an interesting name to watch uh, what teams are interested in in him because he has the size. He's a right shot center, and that generally is the type of prospect and player profile that teams look for to add to their prospect pool. Yeah, and the situation with the Rangers, I think, is just overcrowding. Um, that's a situation where they went through their rebuild. They collected a million draft picks, and half a million of their draft picks have ended up hitting. So uh, they've uh, they've got too many too many prospects in the pu- in the puddle now, and uh, need to make some hard decisions. I don't think it's really too much of a reflection. And as you said, Group has been uh, started off really well in these playoffs. Uh, first start, we uh, are looking at a player who has been eliminated. So one last shout out to uh, Tyler Palmer, the goalie from the Everett Silvertips. Yes. Yeah, so Tyler Palmer, the Silvertips goaltender was phenomenal as he fought to keep Everett alive in the first round. So since we last recorded in game four, facing an elimination, he posted a 20 save, 20 save uh, shutout in front of his home fans uh, to keep the season alive. And then in game five, unfortunately, his 40 save performance wasn't enough as Portland defeated Everett in overtime to take the series. The 2003-born goaltender is undrafted, so he may be back uh, next season in the WHL. But it wasn't a bad performance for his first career postseason chance as he made 146 saves on 162 shots over the five-game series. Um, yeah, congrats to uh, to Tyler on a on a strong showing in his playoff debut, as you, as you mentioned. 
Uh, now we'll turn to our NHL team of the week, and we had to leave a good amount of time for uh, the Seattle Kraken today because they've got uh, quite a few fingers in the WHL pie at various levels. Yeah, wearing my Seattle Kraken uh, t-shirt as we record right now in honor of their 100-point season, which, I mean, I didn't predict. I don't know if anybody really predicted that they would have the season that they have. So exciting times with uh, playoffs in year two for the Kraken. So as the Kraken have only been part of the NHL for two seasons, they haven't built up a strong WHL prospect pool yet. And that's understandable. So at the moment, they only have one player in their prospect pool who is currently playing in the WHL. And that is Jaeger Furkis, the Moose Jaw Warriors uh, forward. So 5'10", 154-pound right winger, was drafted in the second round in 2022, 35th overall. A dynamic offensive winger who can score from anywhere on the ice. He posted a career-high 88 points in 66 games this season. He also had 10 points in Moose Jaw's first-round sweep of Lethbridge. A smaller player will be interesting to see how he fits into Seattle's plans going forwards based off their roster because they seem to fit or seem to want to bring in those bigger, stronger type players. And that doesn't really profile with the way Jager Furkis uh, plays. Uh, Born in Irma, Alberta, he comes from the same town as Seattle Thunderbirds goaltender Scott Ratzlaff. Um, and Ratzlaff has another Kraken connection as well. His uh, his first cousin is defenseman Carson Soucy, who is one of those big boys on the uh, on the Seattle Blue Line. Uh, he's an Alberta boy, but didn't play in the Dub. He went the AGHL route with Spruce Grove, and then spent four years at the University of Minnesota Duluth before breaking into the NHL. Uh, now, what about at the AHL level? So at the AHL level, there's some notable names and recognizable names. <laughs> That the Kraken didn't necessarily draft, but were able to acquire via the expansion draft or free agency. So uh, we'll start off with uh, Kelowna Rocket, Cole Lind, former Vancouver Canuck, who went over in the expansion draft. Former Calgary Hitman and Philadelphia Fire, uh, Carson Rowinski. Um, Chris Dreger, as well, who played for the Calgary Hitman um, and former Florida Panther. And then former uh, Seattle Thunderbird, and San Jose Shark, Alex True. So those are kind of the names that they acquired through the expansion draft process. Uh, and then we look at who they drafted. So the big name is Riker Evans, former Regina Pat defenseman who was drafted in the second round by Seattle in 2021. And Riker Evans is having a fantastic season so far. There are questions about whether or not he could produce without having Connor Bedard on his team. And he's uh, shown that he can as he was invited to participate in the All-Star game over in Laval this season. Um, and a real shout out to uh, to Seattle's development system too, with the uh, success of their AHL team in their first season. Coachella Valley has been um, right up at the top of the AHL standings. And considering, as you mentioned, that they haven't had years to build a prospect pool, it's it's really impressive that they've been able to build a competitive AHL team and have enough uh, depth at that level that's going to be able to uh, support their their main squad. And they've dipped in a few times over the course of the year so uh you know team building 101 by seattle despite all of the uh uh yeah, criticism that they took initially at the expansion draft for the way that they mapped things out it all seems to be working so uh let's take let's go through some of those whl players that are uh, are rich in the main roster yeah one more thing before we move on um make sure to check out thn on the a where they actually interviewed jessica campbell who's one of the assistants over in coachella valley so yeah. Uh, yeah, Coachella Valley 
may uh, could be uh, the number one team in the AHL. So that's also exciting from a Seattle Kraken uh, standpoint. Um, yeah, moving on, as you said, to the NHL level. So plenty of former WHLers, including another Regina Pat legend in Jordan Eberle, uh, also Team Canada World Junior legend. We also have former Calgary Hitman and CHO Memorial Cup most upstanding goaltender from 2010 and Martin Jones, as well as Oliver Bjorkstrand, who won Player of the Year in the WHL as a member of the Portland Winterhawks during the 2014-15 season. Other players are also former Kootenai Ice Captain Kale Flurry and former Tri-City American Morgan Geeky. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that Seattle has uh, has leaned in hard to its roots on a whole bunch of different levels and uh, populated their uh, their roster with a bunch of uh, West Coast boys to uh, to to keep it going. And uh, yeah, seeing Jordan Everly as the uh, sage old veteran now is uh, it just makes you realize how fast time goes by. That World Junior moment still feels like it was yesterday. Um, Connor Bedard's World Junior moment, of course, was practically yesterday. So uh, let's move on to him. Uh, the uh, WHL playoffs portion of his season has now concluded after seven games uh, with 10 goals and 10 assists. And uh, we'll uh, take us through uh, the, the, the last week of this round between uh, Seattle and Regina. Yeah, so Connor Bedard was incredible uh, this past week in his well, well, in his predicted final WHL games. So he posted five goals and twelve points in five games since we last recorded. So a breakdown of that is he had a goal and two assists in the game three overtime loss. Uh, he followed it up with back-to-back uh, -back two goal performances. Unfortunately, both of those were also losses, one coming in overtime, one coming in regulation. But then when his, with his back against the wall, he responded with a goal and three assists to force a game seven uh, with his uh, game winner, um, with him scoring the game winner in a tightly contested 5-3 uh, victory. Uh, as we mentioned, unfortunately, Bedard's season did come to a close in game seven where he recorded his potentially final WHL point, a primary system Regina's only goal of the game. In the end, he finished uh, the seven-game series with 10 goals, 10 assists, and 20 points, uh, and failed to record a point on just six of Regina's 26 total goals during the postseason. Yeah, um, I love that you mentioned that uh, Regina actually did outscore Saskatoon in the series altogether. And uh, yeah, just to put a pin on that one more time, Regina scored 26 goals in seven games. Connor Bedard had points on 20 of those goals, and he had goals in six of the seven games. The only game he didn't score in was game seven, and that game was tight too. It was down, it was one nothing going into the third period. So there was still room for, uh, for, for, for more heroics. But uh, just to put that into perspective a little bit too, we have to remember that Saskatoon went into this series 29 points ahead of Regina in the WHL standings. And for the most part, people didn't give Regina a hope at all. And that was where all the conversation earlier this season about whether or not Bedard would get traded to more of a contender was bubbling up from the idea that he wasn't going to get a chance to have a strong playoff run with the Pats. So even though he only got to play seven games, um, he is far and away the uh, points leader in the WHL scoring race so far. The uh, next player down is one of his teammates with 13. And as you mentioned before, the next players uh, who are still alive and can add to their point totals are 
at 10 points. So they only have half the points that Bedard put up in the first round. And uh, it'll be a fun game to watch and see how long it takes them to uh, to catch up to him um, and his first first round performance. See if that can uh, hold on the way that uh, Connor McDavid did in the NHL last year, even though he went out before the Stanley Cup final. Um, I guess the next thing is to uh, really focus on the Conor Bedard sweepstakes in the NHL. We're into the last week and uh, the race is on between Columbus, Chicago and Anaheim to see which team can finish last and secure the best odds of snagging that first overall pick in the draft lottery. The lottery is on May 8th. And while we're waiting for that, the next sort of question is going to be whether or not Bedard is going to uh, decide to suit up for Team Canada at the World Championships. I'm sure the invitation has been extended and it will just be a matter of whether or not he decides that it, that he's up for it. As we talked about with Thomas Hanzek, it's not unusual for draft eligible players to play at Worlds, but it tends to be more the European players and players for Team USA. Um, I was at Worlds in 2016 when Patrick Patrick Laine and Austin Matthews were both playing for uh, Finland and USA um, before they were drafted and were sort of you know competing to see who was going to go one two. Uh, in 2019, it was Jack Hughes and Capo Caco that were sort of in that same mold, and Moritz Sider was in that tournament as well. That was a big part of what sort of vaulted his. Um, value up for the Detroit Red Wings to uh, surprise everybody and take them sixth overall. Last year, we saw a bunch of top prospects um, from Europe uh, at Worlds as well. Yuri Slavkowski and Simon Nemec for Slovakia, as well as David Juracek for the uh, for the Czechs. Um, I, I just want to see Connor Bedard play more games. So I would be really happy if he takes on the challenge and says yes. And I think it would be a fantastic proving ground for him to show that he's not too small and he can very much hold his own playing against players that are significantly older than him. Um, and because the tournament only starts a few days after the draft lottery, we'll already know who has won that number one pick and we'll have a pretty good idea of, uh, of who where he's going to be starting his NHL career. Um, what do you think? Do you think he'll be up for it? If I was Bedard, I might take a flyer on this uh, tournament just because he's played so much. There's been so much going on this year. And I think that he kind of just deserves a vacation at this point. I would love to see him play. Um, I also think that there's a chance that we might see the top three picks in Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson also play in this tournament. So I think that would be really cool to see what, you know, projected one, two, three picks playing in this uh, in the world championships because both of their seasons have come to an end as well. But like, like you, I would love to see how he plays at the world championship, but based off of the teams that he might go to, I think he may have uh, a couple more opportunities in the future to uh, play at this tournament. So I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he just sits back, and, uh, you know, has a couple weeks off where he maybe doesn't think about hockey or is getting swarmed by every media outlet in whatever city uh, drafts him. But like you said, I would love to see him at this uh, tournament. Um, yeah, I am. I'm definitely speaking from a hockey fan point of view when I want him to go. If I was uh, if I was Bedard's 
mom, I guess, I would probably be like, you know, Connor, don't you think you should just come home and spend some time with your family and, you know, relax and shoot some pucks in the backyard? Um, I think his, uh, you know, so-called hockey nerddom might help to uh, to determine whether or not he wants to do this. You know, once he gets through the disappointment of, uh, of not having, not being able to advance in the WHL playoffs, he probably hadn't even thought beyond game seven in that magical way that pro athletes do have of compartmentalizing things. So for sure, if I was him, I would take a week or so to consider it. But my guess is that he's going to get itchy. And even if he has nothing to prove as far as uh, whether or not he's going to get taken first overall, um, I still think that uh, there's a good chance that he's going to be up for the challenge and just want to see for his own sort of interest and curiosity what the experience would like be like. And the good news for him is that playing in Europe, even though there would be a lot of um, of European media there, there's usually not much media from North America on hand. So it's not the same as, um, as, as it would be like, he'll get mobbed at the draft combine. That's where, you know, the pressure is really going to ramp up. And, and that's actually another good reason to go to worlds because players who play at worlds then end up skipping the draft combine because they're tired and they need to rest up. And then they don't have to do like the whole media thing at the combine. Quinn Hughes was one of those guys who played at the world championship and then skipped the combine and the advice of his, uh, you know, well-connected father who works for the uh, the CAA agency. So um, that might be another thing to consider as well, Connor. If you're listening, it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a back doorway that you might be able to sneak around your uh, your combine responsibilities. No, nobody needs to know your grip strength. Go play hockey against real other players. That'll be way more fun. Yeah, um, you know, I'm just going through my head like what what the type of media like in every city potentially that he could go to is going to look like, uh, you know, if he gets, if Montreal wins that pick or Vancouver wins that pick or Ottawa wins that pick some, I don't know if Ottawa actually can win it, but um, if like Montreal or Vancouver wins that uh, wins the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, uh, that might not be a bad idea uh, to go to world championships and skip the draft combine, because I'm sure between, if either one of those cities wins between May 8th and whenever the draft is, maybe about 300, 400 different articles will come out about what Connor Bedard can do uh, on that, on their team. And all of, so, yeah, it, it might be beneficial to play hockey rather than not play hockey, uh, even though he might be exhausted at this point. And yeah, he can rest later. And then, uh, as you say, once he's officially drafted, they can put his plan together for uh, for what the development camp and the rest of the summer ends up looking like. So uh, we'll still keep an eye on Connor Bedard. Uh, I guess we put the uh, official Connor Bedard report segment of the podcast kind of into like a bit of a pause mode for now until we see whether or not we have more news to report on him as things goes go by. But as you say, I feel like the Connor Bedard news cycle is going to continue to hum whether he's uh, in game situations or not. Anyways, that uh, that does wrap up our episode for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the THN on the Dub podcast on your favorite podcast platform to check out past episodes of this show and all the others in the Hockey News podcast family, including that interview with uh, Jessica Campbell from Coachella Valley on THN on the A. You can go to www.thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Have a great week. Enjoy the round two game starting on Friday, and we will talk to you again soon.